Eric McRamala. He is a slime. If he's allowed to go free, then something really wrong is going on. Mr. Kirkland, you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order. I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Lever Sages. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Now that's an intro. Welcome back. Hour three in the box here on TSN 1200. It is Lever Sage in today with Graham Creech. And we go to the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. We welcome in our next guest. He is the host of Offside, the business and law sports here on TSN 1200. We don't get a ch- I don't get a chance to talk to Eric Macromel very much, so I'm very much looking forward to this. Eric, how are you? My man. Yeah, it, it is a, a nice intro. That intro, when Lawyer and I started doing this weekly segment, I was about to go on. I had about 10 minutes, and I put that together, sent it over to Kenny. He uh, refined it as per... Uh, as per the Kenny skill set, and that's the intro, and it's really nice, and it's so nice that we play it on offside. And as for you and I, really, we haven't spoken on a regular basis since uh, I guess Mendez. So during our time together on the uh, drive home show, you know what's funny though is that because I listened in the box so regularly, I feel like it hasn't been that long because I hear you every Monday on this station. Notice he didn't say offside though. No, I, I noticed that, and I also noticed what he said made no sense. Well, that's per usual with me. Uh, and, and second of all, offside is on uh, at a time where I don't listen to a lot of radio. I can tell that's you, right. um, you're usually biking home. Well, if you can believe this, Eric, um, and I mean this in all sincerity, before we actually get into what we're getting into, yes, yes. I, I don't care what show would be on right after. I just got off the air for four hours. I probably need an hour or two to not think or listen or kind of find out what's going on after four hours of the drive. I I often don't even turn music on. I'll just just a silent drive home. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure your your listeners feel the same way. Yeah, see, this is why Eric and I don't talk. For <laughs> oh, Mr. Macromella. Um, it, it has it has been a long time. It has been a long time. Okay, so a couple of things I wanted to get into. First of all, the NFL. I think for a lot of people that love the NFL, sometimes they still don't understand how teams are able to, I guess what I'll call it, kick the can down the road and suddenly restructure contracts of some of their favorite players so that they can acquire cap room to go out and do some other things in free agency. Um, almost every team does it. Just read that $36 million got cleared up with Sean Watson. He restructured his contract. Uh, Dak Prescott did it. Where right now he's on the hook for $59 million next mm. year, but they cleared up some room for them to go out this year. How is this possible, and why don't, other sports do it if the most successful league in the world does it because it's a it's really odd compared to other sports. Yeah, that's a great great question. I mean, with Deshaun Watson, I, I believe before he restructured, his cap hit was twenty four point six percent, something like that, 
of uh, the Browns' cap hit. The reason that's important is that no team has won the Super Bowl when their quarterback is accounted for more than 14% of their cap hit. They are able to renegotiate these guaranteed deals by moving money around. Usually they'll focus on, the, on, on converting stuff to, to bonuses. That provides a relief valve for those teams. Uh, but the kick, as you said, the can gets kicked down the road. And I think that's really important that you mentioned that because eventually the bill does come due. So you can defer that cap hit, but eventually you're going to be hit with that cap hit. So the Browns have have secured some level of relief and much needed relief after signing what was in all likelihood one of the stupidest contracts uh, over the past 10 years in the NFL, providing Deshaun Watson with a fully guaranteed deal of $230 million over five years, and yada, yada, yada. This is why Lamar Jackson has some time, because he feels like he wants Deshaun Watson money. And in some instances, when a contract is so odd and so wacky, like this Deshaun Watson contract was, it does not serve as a precedent. Aaron Rodgers served as a precedent. Stafford's contract served as a precedent. Dak Prescott's contract served as a precedent, but Deshaun Watson's did not. Um, so... Uh, but I sort of answer your question, yeah, there are ways to restructure these deals oftentimes, moving money around, converting them to different types of compensation like signing bonuses or different kinds of bonuses. So why don't other sports allow this to happen? Well, I mean, the first thing is we know that the NFL has non-guaranteed deals. So outside guaranteed money, um, and, you know, Deshaun's entire contract is guaranteed. Kirk Cousins' entire contract was guaranteed in excess of $90 million, but nowhere near what uh, Deshaun Watson has at $230 million. But typically, there isn't that sense of urgency because you can cut guys without paying them so long as they're not injured. Um, other other leagues like the NHL don't allow that because they operate on a really rigid hard cap. And on top of that, you can't sign a player to an extension until they're in their final year. Um, I think that the NHL wants cost certainty, and they want certainty across the league, and they want to honor the hard cap. As far as the NBA goes, they have a soft cap, and Major League Baseball, as you know, has no cap as a luxury tax, which has allowed uh, you know Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, to spend half a billion dollars this year, including luxury tax penalties on his salary. So it's not necessary for Major League Baseball. It's not necessary for the NBA. For the NHL, they will tell you it's more than necessary. It's absolutely vital to the health of their league. I don't know if I'd buy that. I've been against a hard cap since the very beginning. And the NFL has this freedom because they do recognize that they generate a ton of revenue, and they also have the security blanket um, that is a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, what's your read on uh, the Lamar Jackson situation, and, and, and do you feel that the amount of money that was given out on the franchise was an invitation for uh, for Baltimore to receive draft picks uh, and, and not match, uh, rather than uh, what I think it was needed forty-two million for the uh, um, for him to not be eligible to receive uh, offer sheets? So how, how do you read into that situation and? And where do you see this playing out? Yeah, so when that was uh, when that was happening, I was down in the Dominican. So I was reading these stories and, and getting upset with Lamar uh, in Spanish. Now, I get really dark when I'm down there. Everyone thinks I work at the resort. So I have people ask me for towels, ask me for directions. It's really kind of odd. Uh, but that aside, I looked at that deal. And with the franchise tag, it's a non-exclusive tag, which is what you're referring to. A non-exclusive tag, another team has the ability to offer Lamar Jackson a contract, but they would be required to provide compensatory draft picks to uh, the Ravens. And so what the Ravens are effectively telling Lamar Jackson is, first of all, Deshaun Watson's deal is not a precedent-setting deal because we think it's stupid, and it was a stupid deal. More importantly, what they're saying is, look, you believe your market value is at X, 
we believe it's X minus 50, right? And they're saying, look, we, we're, we're tagging you. It's a non-exclusive deal. We'll let the marketplace determine whether you're right or we're right. Because if you're right, someone will sign you to that deal. Now, what was interesting was that after he's right before he's tagged and it's announced that it's going to be a non-exclusive tag, other teams in need of a quarterback immediately came out and said that they had no interest in Lamar Jackson. The Dolphins said that, again, committing to Tua. To, uh, you heard a number of teams around the NFL. Um, Houston uh, came out and said that. Uh, or sorry, uh, Atlanta, the Falcons. Um, a number of teams came out and said that. And so there's this talk of, you know, is there collusion? I don't know if it's collusion. What collusion is defined in the CBA is two or more parties uh, acting in concert to deprive someone of collectively bargained right. That is, you know, like a, 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 fair, a contract at fair market value. But there's a difference between agreement and collusion, right? Consensus versus collusion. And I think the consensus is that Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback. It's a quarterback that wins a lot more games than he loses, but his style of play results in him being injury prone. And he's he's missed a lot of games over the past two years. And so the way that he assesses the market and his value, I think, is based upon how he performs when he plays. Whereas the Ravens look at his his market value as – what he's worth overall, including the games that he misses. Plus, Lamar Jackson has a very specific type of style, offensive style. doesn't fit every offensive scheme in the league. Now, that aside, he's a former MVP. Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal quarterback. He's a top-five quarterback. If you want to win games and you don't have a quarterback, it makes a lot of sense to sign Lamar Jackson. So if another team needs a quarterback, I would just go out and sign him. So from the Ravens' perspective, is this – like a gap that cannot be bridged between the two sides just because they signed him to this deal? Is it possible that he could wind up a Baltimore Raven again? I, I think it is possible. I think it's possible, but there is a clear divide here. The, I think the Ravens are telling Lamar Jackson, we love you, but what you are proposing as far as salary, that's him and his parents, right, because he has no agent. Mm-hmm. And that's another issue. Um, what you're proposing is not fair market value. Deshaun Watson's deal is not is not a precedent-setting deal. You're asking for too much. I think they offered 133 million guaranteed. It was a 190 million dollar deal or whatever it was, or something excess of 200 million. Uh, but this doesn't strike me as a situation where the relationship can't be repaired. I'm not there. You're not there. We're not there. But the sense that I, I, I have all along from the Ravens is that they're still handling this in a manner in which they want to try and ensure the relationship is preserved and can grow over time and, and will be a positive relationship because they want to keep him. How could you not want to keep Lamar Jackson? And over the next five years, if he's healthy, he gives you a bona fide, legitimate shot at a Super Bowl. But, Lee, I think it's a fair question, right, because oftentimes in negotiations, things can go south. You know, you look at uh, NHL arbitrations. Those are bad. That's just that, – that never works out, yeah. right? It's, there's just a lot of bad blood as a result of those. But in the NFL, I, I just – I feel as though in this instance here, the Ravens are handling this the right way. But I don't know. I'm curious as to what you think. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm Lamar Jackson, he looks and seems like he takes things a bit personally where to be able to separate business – because I think you've laid it out really well that, okay, we think your market value is X. You think it's Y. Well, you think it's Y, go and find it. And if you can find it, then you know what? We just, we can't afford it. We want you at this number. We really love you as a player, but we just want you at 
at X and not at Y. And we'll let you go out and try and find Y if you can because of the non-exclusive tag. But but we want you. I think from the Ravens' perspective, they've handled this really well. I just don't know whether Lamar Jackson, and none of us really know him, whether he is going to take it personally or not that they've allowed him to do it. And if he doesn't get why, if he doesn't get what he's asking for from another team, does he go back there and say, okay, well, my best chance to win isn't in, you know, Atlanta. It isn't in Carolina. It's not in Vegas. It's not in Indy. It's in Baltimore. So do I accept it and go back and try and rework a deal there? I think the Ravens have allowed for that door to still be open. Whether Lamar Jackson can do that or not, uh, I guess it wait to be seen. But to factor in, you know, you factor in other quarterbacks here and what other teams are going to do, we saw that the market is drying up a little bit when it comes to mm-hmm. other teams have decided, okay, this is the direction we're going. In. I'm shocked the Giants did what they did, signing Daniel Jones. Shocked. But they did, and they chose that direction because they felt like that was best for their organization. It seems like Rodgers, and that's the next question, is going to go to New York. What you think that contract could look like, and and if the Jets don't get him, are the fans, like if they put themselves in a corner, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, then they're in big trouble? Because there's still some chairs to be had in the NFL. It's just a matter of they're getting filled up, and where do you want to be? When it comes to it, and Lamar Jackson, for me, feels like, is he going to choose himself or is he going to choose his best chance to win with a whole lot of money, too? I still think his best chance to win is in Baltimore. Well, look, you know what? I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with it. And I would add this. The Ravens okay, offered him a five-year deal of $250 million. About $133 million were guaranteed. That's $50 million a year. If you are a quarterback who is hurt or any NFL player who's hurt, you can't be cut, Right. So there's one guarantee. That's really the only issue Lamar Jackson is during the, the, the term of his deal, does he get hurt? If he does, he can't be released uh, in any event. Uh, that aside, when he's playing, you assume that he's going to be a terrific quarterback. And the Ravens would have no interest in cutting Lamar Jackson, how was he, like 26 or whatever it is, over the next five years. So from my standpoint, the deal at five years, $250 million, the $250 million bucks almost seems like it's a guaranteed deal, given his age and the manner in which he performs, and the essential nature of his position. But he still turned it down. And this goes to a point I raised before, that he has no agent. So he and his parents, I think it was his mom, negotiating this deal. There are, there are reports out there, Lamar Jackson screwed up a shoe deal, a lucrative shoe deal, because he had no agent. In some circumstances, a lot of circumstances, having an agent is important. You have someone who can counsel you, who can... Who can who can assist you based upon their experience. And this is one such instance where a player shouldn't want an agent, but should need an agent. And in fact, if he has missed out on a number of endorsement deals because he hasn't understood the marketplace, then for him it is essential that he get an agent if he wants to fix this. All right. Um, I don't know if this is the last NFL-related question, but Aaron Rodgers, do as best as you can to put yourself in his head. And uh, figure uh, out. I'd rather not, but okay. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very dark place. Yes, yeah, so, uh, back es- from his darkness retreat, especially I, when I, he I, is I'm on the darkness, away. right? Yeah. Is could could you do me? that? Let's. You know what? Let's start there. Could you do three days of darkness? And uh, like, I think he had a visitor. What uh, every 
evening to provide food for the next day. That's the only sense of time that you would get. You do have the ability to go walk in the forest. Could Eric Macromala <laughs> spend three days in the darkness? <laughs> I'm married. I'm in the darkness every day, man. <laughs> um, so I, I, it, it is really fascinating, you know. And I think that there's one person out there who loves Aaron Rodgers, and that's Aaron Rodgers. But I, I kind of find him entertaining. Like, he's such a different cat than everybody else out there. Yeah. Like, so you'll have Aaron Rodgers fatigue, including the Packers. Like, they want to get rid of him like nobody's business, right? I mean, they have made it. The president spoke. And the memory on the weekend, I think, and they asked him, like, uh, you know, it, will Aaron Rodgers be a Packer next season? And basically, unless we get w- what we want, he will be. <laughs> like, they want him out of there. Uh, but I think I could do three days in, in uh, darkness. I think I could do it because it, it, I think it would be fun. I think it'd be fun just to see what it's like to, to be in a room that has no lights. So is he going to the Jets? Yeah, I, I think he's – I mean, yeah. I would have I loved to see him go to the Raiders. Better climate. He's got uh, Devontae Adams there, which you know, big yeah. part of his success, obviously. Uh, I get that it's a tough division. I get that it's a tough conference. Uh, the Jets – represent i think a pretty decent uh, alternative uh, to me the best selection the best team for him to join would be the 49ers but because i guess they passed on him in the draft a long time ago he's still really bitter so really graham he's been in this dark this dark room now for over a decade <laughs> because he can't let things go uh i wanted to ask you a baseball question before we let you go because i know you're a big baseball guy and and just talking to people at the station and, and buddies in the, in the last week or so i've get a lot, a lot of people that I consider baseball fans that are paying zero interest to the World Baseball Classic, others who are um, eating up every second of it. Uh, where do you stand, and, and what uh, does it do for the game of baseball, for the sport, and, and the, I guess the timing uh, of the event, which leads right into the season? I have no interest whatsoever in the World Baseball Classic. The one thing is that if I, don't, if I am the owner of a baseball team, major league baseball team, I don't want my guys in this tournament. I'll say the reason is is because unlike any other sport, it seems like baseball players, particularly pitchers, there are two things that baseball players have. Finite runway for their career, but real finite, and a real risk of devastating injury that can end their career, especially if you're a pitcher. I just don't, I'm not comfortable with having you play somewhere else and risking injury. I mean, just see Vladdy, right? Uh that aside, I also am paying absolutely no attention whatsoever to it. It's just, it's not the same as the World Cup in hockey or the Olympics in hockey. It's baseball's international to begin with. And I don't know. I mean, apart from Otani doing what he's doing, um, it's just not something that resonates with me. Perhaps it resonates more in other countries. But the sense that I get, I'm curious where you guys land on this. I'm with you. I, I, I feel nothing for it. It's It's like... That girl that you dated in high school who was good-looking, but she felt nothing for her. Just nothing at all. Don't care one bit about this tournament either. Uh, really hard for me to get into it. Canada's playing the U.S. today. Should be a big deal. I, I don't care. Is Freddie Freeman playing for Canada? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's something. But that way, I, don't, I still don't care. All right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, this isn't a quick question, and I know you got to go here, but Interesting that it's uh, the beginning of the legal tampering period, and Eric chose not to tamper to get out of this interview today. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's that's a really good point, buddy. Oh wait, guys, guys, I know Lee, you have something, but I just I want to give my weekly update on Fernando Tatis, the big cheater. Okay. He's currently he's had 19 at bats in the preseason and is batting a buck oh five. Oh, that's good. beautiful. Good. Oh wait, he's slugging 158. I did like the poll from all the fans that 
wow, the Yankees and the Red Sox are the most popular teams. No, I would never have guessed it. But the most hated player in baseball by his peers and by the fans, Jose Altuve. You know what? I'm right there with them. Yeah, I, I, we don't like Altuve because he offered up a, a, an ill-conceived apology during spring training the year after they were caught cheating. Agreed? I mean, that just didn't go over well. Bregman came across like he was sorry, but Altuve was defiant. Uh, and he's done himself no favors. But Tatis is not likable either for some people. For other people, they just still really like him a lot, right? I guess likability, it comes down to me what I call the Manny Ramirez effect, right? This is a guy that was caught doping, but because he was also caught exercising in the pool yeah. with the Golden Girls, everybody loves him. Yeah. Manny being Manny. Likeability has everything. Manny versus Barry Bonds. They both cheated. Right. The world hates Barry Bonds as they should. The world loves Manny. Ortiz, same thing. Uh, I find Ortiz Andy... never tested positive, though. Yeah, but come on. Like, we know that he cheated. <laughs> And Are you saying because he had his first best season at the age of 28? I'm saying there's a lot of things that point to David Ortiz cheating. Like, and Andy Pettit, same thing, right? Oh, beloved by the Yankee faithful. No, he cheated, but he doesn't get talked about in the way that others. No, but he did say he did it just once to get over a groin injury. But he did cheat. You're right. You're right. But everybody did it just once to get over an injury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You said to get over injuries year after year after year. Exactly. Okay, I do want to ask you this before we let you go because I'm really interested in it. Um, We talk about baseball, and it's still thriving, and it's the greatest sport because of the volume of of television and radio and the content it provides in this PVR world. Well, um, you know, Diamond, which operates under the Bally's name, is expected to use the bankruptcy proceedings to reject the contracts of four teams— in which it pays more in rights fees than it collects back through cable contracts and ads. Uh, the Reds, the Guardians, the Padres, the D-backs with the Diamondbacks, or sorry, Diamond Bally's going to lose $20 million a year just on the San Diego Padres alone. And the Major League Baseball is going to take over the local broadcast of money-losing teams mm. as this moves forward here in the next couple months. I can't think, Eric, that Major League Baseball taking over the broadcast of their own teams is a very good sign for the future for local and regional markets in baseball. Yeah, this is a big deal. Um, it's also a big deal when Major League Baseball extended its deal with ESPN but got less money on its media rights deal with ESPN. That was important because there has been exponential growth since they started doing offside in 2010 or 2011 when it comes to these media rights. So that's about when things began to explode, about uh, 12 years ago. And now you're seeing that quelled somewhat. You're seeing a quell from Major League Baseball because it's an, the fan base is an aging fan base. It's got a pace of play problem. It's got an action problem, all that stuff. The pitch clock is going to help, absolutely. I love the idea of pitch clock and have four years. Talked about an offside for like five years or seven years, and it's finally here, and I'm really happy with it. But what we're seeing with this regional bubble bursting, it's a concern. It's a concern for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and uh, the NHL, because all three leagues are affected by this company going belly up. And uh, media rights fees represent a significant amount of revenue for hockey teams and baseball teams and basketball teams. And, you know, by way of example, the NHL, players get a piece of hockey-related revenue, 50% of that. And this is included in that formula. And it's a big part of that formula. And so we 
there has been talk for a number of years that the regional sports networks, the demand for it is going down because it is cable accessible and there are cord cutters and there are cord nevers. And now we're seeing this come to fruition. This may be the tip of the cable iceberg and leagues will have to pivot and find ways to broadcast these games and to maintain that level of revenue. So something to keep an eye on for us guys, but also for the athletes in these four sports who all share, except for Major League Baseball, who share in revenue. Eric Macromella, host of Offside Business Law of Sports. Thanks for the conversation. Sorry we kept you so long. It's 1230 already. No, it was fine. It was great. I enjoyed it. This was like another episode of Closing Arguments you and I did with Ian years ago. That's right. And uh, as is always the case when you're on and we discuss things, uh, deeply substantive and satisfying discussion on sports. So thank you for that. Nicest thing Eric's ever said to me. Well, at least in the last 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Eric Macromel, thanks very much. Love, love talking you. to you. Take care. There goes love Eric, you, Graham. Eric Macromel. Love you. <laughs> On the Gabriel Pizza Hotline, Gabriel Pizza, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. We are a little bit late. Come back with more in the box on TSN 1200. To in the box on TSN 1200. You should have seen by the look in my eyes, baby. There was something missing. You should have known by the tone of my voice, maybe. But you didn't listen. You played dead, but you never played. Welcome back in the box here on TSN 1200. Leave Sage Graham Creech. It's always tunes I gotta wait for like this big part of the chorus to kick in. You fire a lot of shots in the box, but I think the real problem might lie elsewhere. No, I think the outlier is the songs you're playing today. Because I can tell you, I'm never singing along to many of the songs in the box. I'm like, what's happening? Come on, guys. Come back on. Talk. Let's go. Lloyd has a lot different style than you do in music. Does he? I love Ariel Speedway. You having fun? This was actually a request. Came in on the text box. By who? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. Not too far, though, I don't think, Lee. Want to hear some REO Speedwagon loving the tunes? And I believe... Let me just confirm. You've been firing on all cylinders when it comes to music. Dave Burns! Friday and today. You've done a magnificent job. Nothing to complain about here. 
But no, this this isn't necessarily. Yeah, I think Lloyd likes some Speedwagon. Especially, it takes him back to his Ozark uh, days. What a show. But I meant in terms of you not liking the music on In the Box. Usually it's like Metallica and. I like Metallica. Rage. You do? Yeah. I did Metallica. not know you liked Metallica. I love Metallica. They're just not. They're almost one of those bands that they're so good. I don't want to say you forget about them, but you just acknowledge that they're really good. But you don't go back to play a lot of them. Understand, man, turn the page. I mean, I I grew up like right in my formulative years, I would call it. Um Unforgiven. Nothing else matters. A lot under the bridge from the chili peppers. It was all in the the early nineties. Right? Wanna say like ninety one, ninety two, somewhere in there. Where a lot of this a lot of this came from. You you can't play a lot of eighties music that I really don't like. It's before that. That I personally have the issue, and I know that's my problem. It's not everybody else's problem. I'm really flirting with playing some but there's Zeppelin no, and stuff. But there's for no the reason. The but there's no reason to. You've been, like I said, firing on all cylinders. I still would be if I played some Zepp. Caleb says the one consistent thing at 1200 Creech always strong with the tunes. Thank you, Caleb. I would agree with that. You're just not on the board every day, so. The hit or miss comes in that Graham doesn't provide the music each and every day. But when you provide the music. I feel like I that's like because of that, I've gotten into a rut where I do play a lot of the same type of music over and over because I'm producing. Actually, this week, I think I have three shifts. But typically, it'll be like I'll have one producing shift like a month. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to. And and usually it's with Lloydy. So it's, yeah, I'm going to go back to this song again. Go back to that. You, I get to, oh, you know what? I'm going to play some Shawn Michaels. Play some <laughs> Razor Ramon. <laughs> well, that's one text I actually agree with Caleb. So that's good, too. Because most of Caleb's I don't either. Like his text. Caleb always brings energy and positivity. Yeah. And he listens, like, from 6 until Which is uh, 1 a.m. incredible what <laughs> Caleb does. But sometimes Caleb is too positive. When things are not positive. I don't know. Like this weekend. I don't know if Caleb was positive this weekend. Actually, you know what? He wasn't negative, but he was more like, hey, guys, put Sandy on the power play point. Yeah. Rather than rather than texting and saying the power play sucks or this player sucks or whatever. Okay, well, let's get to TC's. Afternoon, fellas. The power play is awful. <laughs> no puck movement, no shooting, no compete. Definitely not puck luck. Also, we can all agree that it's getting tiresome to hear a player isn't a D-man when not back-checking or not picking up an open man or not identifying a scoring threat. These guys have been playing hockey since the age of four. They've all played high-level elite hockey, and they know how to back-check. They know how to play D. They know how to identify the scoring threat. They're either choosing not to or playing selfish or simply not that intelligent of a player. My two cents... Of a rant from TC. I could not agree more. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that they're not intelligent. So I would say they're either choosing not to or they're playing selfishly. 
but one of those two is the answer because they are skating back. They've been told what to do. Whether you think the coaching staff is a good defensive coaching staff, uh, okay, I've heard the arguments that they're not the best. But how many times do you see rushes where a team's got two guys or three guys and the Senators have three or four? They have one more than the opposition, yet guys are wide open doing whatever they want in the Ottawa zone. How many times has that happened? That does not take to sit down and video to see exactly how you're going to pick it up because the tendency of player A for Calgary is to go here and you need to be here. No, you're just back-checking and identifying who's coming. Turn around and don't let that guy go to the net. That's it. Because that's how teams are scoring against Ottawa. And that's what bothers so many people. because. It is one of those two things, TC. It's either they're choosing not to, or they're selfish, or it's both. There's no other answer for it. I would say in some cases, and not necessarily in all of them, but I I would say that there are definitely some players on the Senators that lack awareness and, and smarts when it comes to the defensive side of the puck. Sure, but I'm not saying like obviously when you're at that level, it's not non-existent. Yeah, but here's what happens. Okay, so let's just say that that's true, where guys are skating back and they have a. I'm not even talking about forwards exclusively here. Okay, but let's just start with your premise that this happens. Okay, and it happens more than a couple of times. All right, you then sit down with a player. And you show them exactly what's happening, what they can't do, and now what they're start to supposed to do. And then if they don't do it, you know what happens? You don't see the ice. Because that just, is... Just Pinto. Right. And that's just the latest example. That doesn't happen to Shane Pinto all the time. And look, he didn't have a very good sequence. He didn't have a very good game. Okay, young players, fine. Why, if I continually did that, and I made seven, eight million dollars a year, and I continually just, I understood like coaches are showing me what I need to do in these situations, and then the next situation that happens, same thing goes on. And Wait, my point of bringing that up nobody wasn't that sits- it's exclusively people not having their strength of, of playing defense on the defensive side of the puck. I was saying that can, that's a contributing factor as well to all the other things that were brought up. Right. But if if you do all of that. Including coaching. Including. Yeah. But if you do all of that. Execution. And then I do it again after watching the video and having me sat down and talked about it. And I've cost the team a couple of goals because I have not been in the right position. First of all, my entire mindset would be I can't ever let that happen again because I'm actually costing the team goals. How I am. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to cheat on the other side now. And you want to criticize me for not being up the ice? You want to criticize me for not scoring goals? Okay, but I'm not letting that happen again. But when that continually happens and happens and nothing goes on with the player, like you just get put out on the next shift and the next shift and the next shift, why would they stop doing what they're doing? 
whether they make 750000 or $8 million. If you're just continually put out there, Afternoon, boys. Maybe they're just not a good hockey team. Well, no, they went 13-4-1 against some pretty good teams. They're not a bad hockey team. Right now, they have some injuries. And in goal, they're in tough. It's an unfair spot for those goaltenders to be in. But they're not a bad hockey team. And that's why there's a lot of frustration. They're not Montreal or Arizona or Chicago or... Any of those clubs. Guys, what do you think if DJ did the John Cooper treatment to some of the Sens underperforming players? Accountability is a thing from Forklift Guy. Yeah, DJ's coaching for his job. John Cooper isn't. Uh, John Cooper's team is headed towards the playoffs, and they're going to play Toronto. DJ Smith's club is not. I think you can afford to coach differently when you're in the situation that John Cooper is in as opposed to DJ Smith. Doesn't mean I wouldn't like to see it, but. Morning, boys. What a disappointment the Sens are lately. Last night's game was so deflating. Going to go see them tomorrow night for a tough, tough game. But I really hope they come out firing. I hope they are angry about the recent performances and play with hurt pride because they should be proud of their effort. Postman Yan. Does that mean that you're going in Edmonton tomorrow, Postman? We're going Thursday to watch them play at home against Colorado. See, this fog, Graham, this daylight savings, moving the clocks forward fog. Now I don't know. If Postman Yan is going to Edmonton, what percentage are you that he meant Thursday against Colorado as opposed to going to Edmonton tomorrow? Yeah, you're... You're, I can't get inside the postman's head. I don't know. You know him better than I do. Is he in? Is he going to Edmonton? Is he already out west? No, he's there. Because <laughs> he retexted, not knowing we're having this conversation. P.S. I met Parker Kelly's uncle at the game last night. Well, supposed uncle. Ha ha ha. There you go. No so, fog. So he's out there. No fog from postman. Hopefully, there's no fog on the roads as well, because Doctor Bob. Making a 35-hour trek from Edmonton to Ottawa for Colorado Thursday. Yeah. It's a lot of driving. Yeah, especially with what he's already done. Why is Giroud not on the power play? Beyond me. The issue with the Sens power play is both personnel and setup. Shabbat should be put on power play two. Chikrin power play one, although I understand Chikrin might need a little bit more time to adjust to his team. Uh, ideal power play one should include Kachuk. Stutzla, Giroud, Dabrinkit, Chikrin, with Giroud taking face-offs, just my thoughts. Um, I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to figure out when you sit down with video for an hour. Jacob Chikrin's played for a lot of time in his career. This is not an 18-year-old. I know you're coming to a new team, but you can figure out a power play pretty quick on video if you're a really good player. So what power play one is and power play two is would depend on, I don't know, how well you're taking care of the puck. Are you getting good chances to score? And are you not giving up opportunity after opportunity? Because that's what's happening right now. When the Sens got a power play in the weekend on Van- against Vancouver or Calgary, try and tell me as a Sens fan that you didn't have some worry that the other team was going to score shorthanded. 
if you didn't have any worry at all, you have a lot of faith in this team. Imagine what it's like going into the biggest weekend of the year and you're playing two non-playoff teams in must-win games and your team gets a power play and you're scared. Tell me I'm wrong. That's how people felt. Even the Nazem Kadri penalty against Parker Kelly, it was a chintzy call at best. He just kind of ran into him a little bit. Oh, sends go to the power play. Are you excited or are you scared? Decline the power play. <laughs> because you're kind of scared as a fan as to what's going to go on. Back with more in the box on TSN 1200. Welcome back in the box here on TSN 1200. Lieber Sage, who is this, Graham Creech? Who is this? Doobie Brothers. Sorry, I had to. I couldn't walk all over that. Yeah. You know what, Graham? I knew it was the Doobie Brothers. But you know, I know you did. You know why I wanted to ask you? Because I have a follow-up question. Did you know, just by listening to TSN 1200... That you could beat the box office and go see the Doobie Brothers? No way. October the 16th at the CTC. Tickets don't even go on sale until Friday. It's Monday, and you could win tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers. October 16th at the CTC. How cool is that? The way you're going to do it is you're going to text in. What time? What do you think? One... How about 104? Is that good? Graham gives him about six, seven minutes to text in at 12, 1200, where standard messaging rates apply. You want to go see the Doobie Brothers? Text in to 12, 1200. Put your name, put your email. We can get a hold of you. Easy. Please do it. Just take a little bit of time. And you can beat the box office. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster. You could be on your way with a guest to go see the Doobie Brothers. How cool is that? October the 16th at the CTC. And again, tickets don't go on sale until Friday at 10 a.m. You can visit Ticketmaster.ca. Text in at 12-1200 before 104. Get your text in, and you could be go seeing the Doobie Brothers. We'll take a break. Come back, Gord Wilson will join us, and we'll get you into hour four in the box. Lever Sage, Graham Crate here on TSN 1200. 